Well, if we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name's Chris. I get to serve as one of the pastors on our team here. And thrilled you decided to join us today as we continue our journey through Ephesians. We've been on this journey together because we're human. We want to experience change. We want to be better people. We want to experience transformation. And typically when we pursue said transformation, what we'll do is we'll go the American way instead of the Jesus way. We will seek that personal change, that transformation at all costs, as if it's the end goal. But what we're learning is that God wants us to experience transformation in Christ. He just wants us to experience it for our good and his glory. Sometimes when we're in pursuit of this transformation, we will uh, work super hard to gather as much information as we possibly can, watching the YouTube videos, listening to the podcast, reading the books, all the things, just consuming information, information, information. Thinking that if we consume more information, we're going to be different people. But what we're finding is that the Jesus way is better. You see, in the Jesus way, it's connection with Jesus that leads to our transformation. And uh, we're, we're going to continue to journey through Ephesians because even in the way that we approach church, we can find ourselves gravitating towards the American way rather than living the Jesus way. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. The typical church experience in our country looks something like this. It's Sunday morning. You go to church. The pastor, like myself, will get up, share a message. Hopefully it's a little entertaining. Hopefully it's inspiring. You give so that the pastor, the staff, they can keep doing all the good work. You head home, do your thing all week, and then come back again the next Sunday and do it all over again. Now, that's the typical experience of church in our country. There are some good things about this experience of church, but at its best, it's incomplete. And there are some things about how we kind of do church that are more like the American way than the Jesus way. And, and a few of these that really grab my attention are that we often will seek spiritual growth and maturity individually rather than collectively. Uh, we will elevate the pastor beyond what is helpful or healthy. We'll elevate the pastor. I mean, even nationally, we've got celebrity pastors, kind of an odd phenomenon, but par for the course in the American way. Locally, we'll even say things like, I go to so-and-so's church. Well, I go to so-and-so's church. Uh, we will we'll do things like gravitate towards a church that makes us feel comfortable, like that church with all the programs and the bells and whistles. They got something for everyone in the family, and we'll just gravitate there because we kind of gravitate towards comfort. Now, in pointing out what is normal for church in our country, I am not trying to throw shade at any particular church or even the church collectively in our country. Because Jesus, Jesus, he died for the church. He loves the church. And while we are imperfect and messed up and broken, we are the church. And Jesus died for us. And we are a local expression of the church, but there are many other incredible expressions of the church. The question I want us to think about is, does the way we pursue spiritual maturity, 
pursue, pursue growth? Does it look more like the American way, or does it look more like the Jesus way? So I want us to pause for a moment and just acknowledge, you know, there are probably some ways that we, we gravitate towards the American way of church. But it doesn't have to be that way. You see, we're, we're in this series, and it's all about transformation, the transformation available to us in Christ. And, and we will grow, we will experience spiritual maturity, but it's not going to be from just going to church. It's going to come from being the church. The church as Jesus died for it. Uh, we're going to engage. We're going to know one another. We're going to love one another. We're going to serve together. We're going to be the church. So what does it look like to go the Jesus way? Well, that's what we're going to see today. So if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, the words will also show up on the screens. We also got a church app if you want to follow along there. Let me pray for us. And then we will dive right in. Lord, thanks. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we get to gather like this and open it together. And as we do so collectively, we ask that you would speak to us. That you'd speak to us together. That you'd speak to us individually. And that we would know you more. Would you reveal your way to us, Jesus? Would we be a church that, that looks like what we see in scripture today? We ask this in your name. Amen. All right, Ephesians 4. Paul begins and he writes it this way. As a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. So in, in light of our relationship with Jesus... We're people who live differently. We don't get aggressive when things get frustrating. We aren't arrogant, thinking too highly of ourselves. No, what Paul says here is that we should be humble and gentle. Instead of being hurried and consumed with ourselves, as followers of Jesus, we should be, what does Paul say? Patient and loving towards one another. And may we never forget the reason we live differently is because Jesus loved us in the greatest way possible. He laid his life down for us. And when we encounter Jesus, he changes us, profoundly changes us. Scripture says that we love because he first loved us. The love we express to each other is an overflow from the love that we have received from God expressed to us through Jesus. And because Jesus loves us, we love everyone. We love the one in front of us. We love the one far from God. We love everyone. And like Jesus, we, we look for ways to serve humbly, to lay our lives down because he first laid his life down for us. We're a people who unite together. Because that's what Paul said in verse 3. And check this out. He says, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Recently, this verse, probably more than any other verse in Scripture, has characterized my prayer for our church as of late. Uh, we've been through some changes over the last several months. We've had families move to other parts of the country. Families move on from being part of this community. Uh, we've seen new staff members hired, like Jeff, our associate pastor. We've seen guests joining us, all kinds of good things, but it's change. 
change. And any time we face change, you know what we do as people? We experience a whirlwind of emotions. Loss, excitement, uncertainty, hope. And amidst the whirlwind of all the emotions, it's really natural to stop remembering who we are and how we typically act and how we typically engage with one another. And knowing that we're all human and we're all in this together, I've just been proactively praying, God, would you characterize our church by peace and unity? Would you characterize us by peace and unity? And when, when I pray for that, I'm not praying that we would be uniform, like everyone looking the exact same or everything being exactly the same. We all agree on everything all the time, always. That, that's uniformity. We're not praying for uniformity. We're praying for unity. Everyone pursuing the same thing. And if you've been part of Connect for any length of time, you know we are a church who unites together. We unite together because we know that following Jesus is better together. It's just way better together. And when, when we shine our light alone, we're like a lamp on a stand. But when we shine our lights collectively, we are a city on a hill. And maybe, just maybe, if we shine our lights together, we would see God's kingdom come and his will be done in South Denver as it is in heaven. That's our prayer. That's our pursuit. So as we follow Jesus and we seek his kingdom and we talk about uniting together, we're not talking about uniting together around every change, every decision, every program. No, no, no. It's so much better than that. We're, we unite around what Paul says Next, check this out. Now in verses four and following, he says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fulfill the whole universe. So what do we unite around? We unite around the gospel. The fact that, that God the Father sent the Son, Jesus, to save us from our sin. You see, our sin are those things that separate us from God. Like when we knew the right thing to do and yet we did the opposite, that's sin. When we said that thing that wasn't honoring to them, that was sin. God loves them too. And anytime we sin, the problem is that it separates us from God. But God, in his love for us, he is rich in mercy. He extended an opportunity for forgiveness. Jesus dying on the cross to forgive our sins. And when we receive Jesus and believe that he is the savior of our sins and he's going to be the Lord of our life, he's the one that we follow, we go from death to life. We experience the, the greatest transformation we could possibly experience. And Jesus says that he gives us his spirit, the Holy Spirit, to dwell in us if we're followers of him. And what we see in Scripture is that, that any time someone receives this grace and decides, Jesus, Jesus is my Savior and he's my Lord, 
what they do is they publicly demonstrate that by getting baptized. This beautiful visual representation of a spiritual reality as someone goes under the water, symbolizing dying to the life of sin and then rising up out, rising to the new life that we have with Jesus. So if, you, if you're curious about this good news, if you're curious about Jesus, if you, haven't, if you want to follow him but you haven't publicly expressed that by getting baptized, I'd love to talk with you. You can catch me after service. You can fill out one of the connect cards in the buckets in front of you. Drop it off at the table on the way out, and we'll get in touch this week. Whenever is best for you to, to chat, we'd love to chat. We'd love to talk through any questions that you have. But we are a people who unite around the gospel because we know this. We know that our unity in Christ is critical to our maturity in Christ, as Paul continues to flesh this out now in verses 11 through 13. So Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. It's interesting. Uh, Paul wrote this like 2,000 years ago, and yet it still challenges the American way of church today. Uh, for one, church leaders aren't supposed to do all the ministry. They're not supposed to, to do it all themselves. They're supposed to equip the people for the works of ministry. Look what, I mean, verse 11. So Christ gave himself, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to what? To equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You know, when I started in pastoral ministry, I was so excited to have every discipleship conversation, do all the hospital visits, teach the lessons, do all the things that I, I was a youth pastor at the time, all the things that a youth pastor does. And I, I was doing all these things, and it didn't always go great, but it was fun. Like, it was so fun to be in the trenches doing the thing that I studied for for years. It was awesome. And then I remember sitting with some pastors, reading this passage, and as we looked at this passage, the Holy Spirit convicted me. He's like, look, Chris, I didn't put you in this role so you do it all. I put you in this role to equip my people to participate, to experience the same joy that you have when you're doing the thing. And now, decade plus in the ministry, my greatest, my greatest joy isn't personally doing everything. I love seeing the church be the church. Because for Jesus, we don't just go to church like it's a building or an event. For Jesus, we are the church. We're a community. We're a family who loves one another, who serves one another, who unites together. And as I reflect on all this, I think about Hannah, our kids director. The American way would tell Hannah, hey, Hannah, you're the kids director at this church. Like, you should teach every lesson, and you should plan everything, and you should coordinate it all. You should just do it all. Like, connect with every kid. They should, every kid should know that you're on the sidelines of their games. Every, like, that's the American way. Hannah, the paid staff member, getting to do all the things. But you know what? Hannah has been compelled by the Jesus way. So Hannah equips her team to use the gifts that God's given them. Marcy loves to teach, so Marcy teaches in kids, and the kids love it. Trista is gifted with leadership and administration, so Hannah empowers Trista to coordinate the preschool team. And, and Hannah 
what she sees as her role is to equip, to empower, and just to care for, to love those team members as they do what they do best. And, and the church is better for it. When, when we go the Jesus way instead of the American way, listen to the transformation, listen to the spiritual maturity available to us. This is what should characterize us. Verse 14 now and following. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body is joined together and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Unity and maturity come not from church leaders, the staff, the paid, quote, paid professionals doing all the work. Unity and maturity is experienced when we collectively use the gifts God's given us and we function as his body. Him, Jesus, being the head of his body. It's not me. It's not anyone up on this stage. Jesus is the head of his church. And, and Paul wrote elsewhere in Romans, he said, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And those, when I, when I reflect on these passages, talking about the, the way that God has gifted us to, to contribute and be a part of his church, and so that together we can grow, together we can grow towards maturity. When I think about this, and I think about our church family, I, I think it's the people who've taken this heart to heart, they're, the ones who've taken it to heart, they're the ones who are growing the most in their faith. You can, you can grow by coming in listening, in making some friends. You can grow in that way to a point. But once there's a point where, you know, just listening more, while it's helpful, it's not the full story. Those in our church family who are engaged in community, who are in a space where they can speak the truth in love, and they can hear someone speak the truth to them in love. Those who are engaged on a serve team, where they use their gifts, Yes, it, it benefits the church, and they grow in their faith, too, because they're using the gift that God has given them. I, I think of how Trista has grown in her faith and her love for Jesus as she serves in kids and tells kids about Jesus. I think about how John, her husband, serves on the setup team. And while that does make this all possible, and we're grateful for that, he's also grown through the conversations that have before and after service with the other people who are serving. I think of Brenda. Brenda leads a community group. She'd been a part of a group in the past, and then she stepped out in faith, and she opened up her home, and she started to welcome people in, and she used her gifts of hospitality and encouragement. And you know what? There's a group of people now who are better off for it. And Brenda isn't just growing as a disciple of Jesus, she's growing as a disciple maker, helping others know Jesus too. 
And, and Trista, John, Brenda's story, those can be our story. Fill your name in there. This can be all of our story because this is the invitation of Jesus through his word that we get to be the church together. So if, if you're new to Connect, I want you to know this. You can be a guest with us for as long as you want. You can, you can come forever and be a guest. You're always welcome here. And when you want to be part of the family, just start acting like family. We don't have a membership class for you to attend or a form for you to sign. Just start doing what family does. Love one another. Serve humbly. Unite together. Because that's who we are as a church. We need each other. We need each other to support us. We need each other to encourage us. And we especially need that because of what Paul says next. This is challenging. We're no longer going to live as we used to live. Listen to this now in verse 17 through 24. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord. You must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. Sounds like a nasty group of people. But listen to the difference, because we once lived this way. Listen to the difference. That, however, is not the way of life you've learned. When you have heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Be because we're connected with Jesus and we have a relationship with God, we don't live like we once lived. We live different. We know there's a better way. Uh, no longer do we blend in with the world. Now we stand out. We shine a light to the world. Uh, light, this life change, it's almost like we're taking off old clothes and we're, we're putting on some new ones. That's the image. That's the, the metaphor that Paul's using here. It's like this complete change to the point where we'd be unrecognizable. That's, we, should, we should shine so bright amidst the darkness that it, 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 we can ever be confused with the darkness. When we, when we put off the old self, we're no longer succumbing to the sexual immorality, to the greed. Oh, no, 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 no. We seek to live pure lives, generous lives, not by our effort, but because we've experienced God's love for us and we can't imagine living the way we once lived. Paul, Paul continues in verses 25 through 32. He says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, 
rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. You know, we're, we're familiar with this way of living. We're familiar with the American way. So what's the Jesus way? What, is, what does it look like to follow Jesus, to be so profoundly changed by him that we actually live differently? So much so that, that we look different from the rest of the world. Well, instead of stewing in anger, what we see here is that we're people who actively seek reconciliation. Instead of stealing, we give sacrificially. Instead of hurting others with our words, we look for opportunities to build others up. Like, if it's not honoring and it's not helpful, then we just don't say it. We look for things that are honoring. We look for things that are helpful, encouraging to say to others. Instead of grieving the Holy Spirit, like resisting his transformative work in our lives, instead of grieving the Holy Spirit, we are people who forgive because we have been forgiven. Look, we're, we're, we're human, all right? We want to be people of integrity, kindness, grace. And yet, because we're human, we also find ourselves being bitter, frustrated, angry. We don't want to live this way, but if you're anything like me, left to our own devices, we gravitate to live this way. Jesus, though, invites us to live differently. And we don't have to go the American way. We can go the Jesus way. And the Jesus way is a growing community of people who, because of their connection with Jesus and the relationship they have with him, it's lived out in their relationships with others in a transformative way. These people, they value their relationships so much with one another, they can't even fathom trying to follow Jesus alone. Uh, these are people who, like we read, are humble and gentle, patient, bearing with one another in love. Uh, they make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. They're, they're united around the gospel. They're equipped and empowered by their church leaders. They're actively engaged with one another in the life of the church. They don't just go to church. They recognize they are the church. And they don't look anything like they once did. Now, as Paul reminded the church in Ephesus then, I want to remind us today, our unity in Christ is critical to our maturity in Christ. So instead of going the American way, we are a people who go the Jesus way. We look for opportunities to love everyone, that one in front of us and that one who is far from God. We look for opportunities to serve humbly, to lay ourselves down, to lift others up. We're people who unite together around the gospel because Jesus has so profoundly changed us. And when we do, when we live this way and we shine our light, individually that might be a, light, a lamp on a stand, but collectively we are a city on a hill. Lord, we, uh, we come before you and we ask that you would shine that light through us. That people, when they experience us, they wouldn't just experience me uh, and my brokenness, but Lord, they would experience you shining through me because you've changed me so profoundly. And I pray that same thing for all of us, that we would um, encounter Jesus in such a way that we can't imagine living like we once lived. And instead, we go your way, Jesus. 
But left to our own devices, we continue to gravitate back towards our sin and our brokenness and the mess. So we need you to work in us all the more to change us, to transform us. And as you do, would it be for our good? Would it be for the good of those around us? And ultimately, would it be for your glory? We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.